you cannot fall in love with your idea or execution. If it's not working, just change it. Welcome to Office Hours by Business Class from American Express. Each episode features innovative entrepreneurs and experts discussing how to navigate today's business challenges. That was Ronnie Frank, co-founder and head of clinical services at the leading behavioral healthcare company and platform, Talkspace. Frank started Talkspace with her husband in 2012. In fact, it was their experience in couples therapy, plus Frank's own individual work with the counselor that helped inspire the vision for the company, which as of 2021 has grown to include 2 million clients and includes therapists in all 50 states. In this episode, Frank describes her journey from an unfulfilled software developer to inspired entrepreneur, how Talkspace pivoted to handle explosive growth during the pandemic, her personal hacks to stay productive, and the fundamental element she says a leader must have in place in order to truly be a leader. Frank spoke with Michi Miller, Vice President of Large and Global Client Marketing at American Express during a recent office hours. Please note, the views expressed here belong to the guests interviewed and do not necessarily reflect those of American Express. Hello, Ronnie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. So hello and thank you for joining us on Office Hours. I'm Mishi Miller and I am the Vice President of B2B Marketing for American Express's largest and global commercial clients. Office Hours is where entrepreneurs and experts come to answer your questions on business and talk about how they are navigating and growing in this ever-changing economy. And May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and I can't think of a better person to be talking with to wrap up the month other than the co-founder of Talkspace, Ronnie Frank. Welcome, Ronnie. Let's jump in. Hi. So in a few words, tell us who you are and what you do at Talkspace. So I'm Roni, I'm co-founder and head of clinical services at Talkspace. I'm also a mom. <clears throat> I have two girls, two teenagers, me and Shelly, 15 and 13. And we live together with my husband and the girls, of course, in New Jersey, in Tenafly, New Jersey. And let's talk about, you know, how I started Talkspace. Uh, together with my husband. So when I was around 30, I was in a very bad place in my life. I was really unhappy. And my husband and I had a huge marriage crisis. And we decided to take a break for a couple of months. And it was really difficult for both of us. And we didn't know exactly what to do. And at some point, we just decided, okay, before we are giving up on each other, on our on our relationship, let's try couple therapy. Maybe it would be helpful. Let's give it a shot, kind of. And so we started the couple therapy and we've been there for about almost over a year, every year, 90 minutes face to face. There was no online therapy at the time. And it was very, very helpful and it saved our marriage. And it was, for me, it was, so powerful to realize that therapy could be so valuable, beneficial, helpful in my life. It helped me to, ch to change on so many levels. So I also continued into individual therapy. And then about a year later, I started processing with my therapist 
about my career, how empty I am and how I feel that I'm, I don't have any sense of meaning or, or purpose. I was a software developer. I worked at Amdocs. I graduated with computer science degree and was a software developer for about six, seven years. But I felt like that I don't understand what I'm doing there. I have no passion, no interest. And, but it was very hard for me to kind of make a change because, you know, I was invested in it and it's great salary and the high-tech world is considered so desirable. So it's hard to kind of leave this world. But my therapist really empowered me. Again, therapy empowered me to kind of take risk and, and make new, different choices that are more aligned with my passion and what, with what I care about. And I left the high-tech world and started uh, and went back to graduate school to study psychology. And while I was studying, I started to realize that the mental health system, is, mental health system in America is completely broken. 70 million people in America live with some level of mental health issues. However, two-thirds of them have no access to care because of cost, access, and stigma. And I was overwhelmed by those numbers. It just didn't make any sense to me that people who are struggling with depression and anxiety, trauma, health issues, divorce, relationship issues, they have no access to mental health services, something that is so critical to our overall you know, health and well-being. And I just felt very passionate to solve this problem. And I think that because I'm coming from technology, my background in technology allowed me to understand that you can solve big problems at scale with technology. And so I decided to leave school. I never graduated psychology. I decided to leave school in the middle and to build a platform for online therapy uh, with the mission to make mental health, care, mental health care accessible and affordable for all. And that's how the mission and, of the company was born. That's amazing. Um, and as, as you know, when we caught up yesterday and met each other, I said to you then, and I'll say to you now, you know, it's always so great to hear from entrepreneurs about their, the reasons for why they start their businesses and the insights, whether they're personal other, or otherwise. So thanks so much for sharing that story with us. Um, tell sure. us a little bit about, uh, as you started to grow, some of the challenges that you faced along the way. This is a great question because there are so many challenges as entrepreneur and when you're dealing with innovation, there are many, many challenges. But let's start with the beginning. You know, I always say to entrepreneurs, intuition may be misleading. And what do I mean by that? You know, when we started Talkspace, we thought, okay, instead of going to a therapist face-to-face, -face, you are going to schedule a live video session. And by the way, it was in 2012, so it's almost 10 years ago. So... If back then, live video session was not as normal as today that we're all doing <laughs> video <laughs> session all the time, maybe yep. after COVID. But still, it made sense that, you know, instead of like commuting and driving and waiting in the wait, wait room, etc., you can just like, you know, go on a live video session. So we launched a website with the, in the beginning. We had may, maybe five therapists. We launched a website with five therapists where you can just, Go to the website, click on the therapist, and schedule a video session. And, you know, I, we were very excited when we launched it, May 2012. We thought, oh, my God, in three months, we're changing the world, right? Like, we are 
And we, we were so naive. My, my husband and I, we, we launched it together, we built it together. None of us has ever been an entrepreneur, never built a platform, never built a startup. And so we launched it and okay, the first month nothing happened. And people told us, okay, listen, it always takes time. Don't worry. The second month, the third month, you know, after, see, after nine months that we hardly had engagement and people were not willing to buy our video session we realized that something is not working and i would say we realized that we failed and we didn't know what to do it was pretty devastating i must say you know i left my career in the high-tech world or in left um the advertising world and we were 18 months into this journey we had two young girls, very, very young, no income, and the business, the product is not working. We don't know what to do with the business. By the way, um, we used the money of my parents, you know, and my sister and a few good friends. Like we um, raised 250K dollars from what we call friends and family. And this is what, uh, this is the money we used in the beginning. So we also understood that we lost the money of our family and friends, which was also very devastating. And we didn't know what to do. And then we had something that we call it today, aha moment that happened by, by mistake. Um, you know, in the beginning, founders are doing everything. And I was also the person behind customer support. And all of a sudden, I start getting people that are users sharing with customer support about their emotional and psychological problems. So, for example, you know, sharing their stories. And I was like, but the customer service, it's about technical issues. Oh, for example, I don't remember my password. The video is not working. That's obviously everybody understands it. And so we started getting more and more. At some point, it was like hundreds of emails going to customer support when people talk about their problems, emotional problems. And at some point we said, okay, something is going on here. We have to, we have to explore it, right? So what we did, we decided to ask them. And again, this is advice if there are entrepreneurs in the audience, you know, always ask your clients, your users, your customers, what's working for them, why they're, what they need, um, what can create value for them, always ask the user. So we had the intuition, the right intuition to ask them and what we heard from them, we asked them, hey, I, I sent them an email back, you know, you can schedule a video session and this is customer support, I'm not a therapist. Um, and then what did they say? Oh, I just want to text the therapist. I don't want to go on video. Another person said, Oh, I just want to text at 4 a.m. before because I cannot sleep. I don't. I cannot do a video at 4 a.m. And it kind of hit us that people want to communicate with therapists the same way they're communicating with their friends and family and colleagues. I mean, this is what it, it's 2012, 2013. So you know, social media is on the rise. Everybody is on WhatsApp, text messages, emails, of course. So young people who were our clients, uh, usually early adapters are young, they wanted to message the therapist and they saw, they saw a place where they can text and they just sent a text. And that was like 
you know, a huge revelation for us and inspired, inspired us to revamp the whole modality that we built. And we literally took another year to build everything from scratch. And we built what we call unlimited messaging therapy, where you can message anytime, anywhere. The therapist is going to respond to you a few times a day based on the client needs. Um, but it's not real time. It's asynchronous, meaning the, the same way, you know, you're doing texting with other people. Yep. So it, you can wait a few hours for response with, and you can combine, combine it with live video sessions. So once we launched a new model that involved uh, messaging therapy, immediately people started to sign up. Like within three months, we knew we were onto something. And that showed us that we basically found the right product market fit and we can start to grow the company. That's awesome. That was the first challenge. <laughs> Do you want to share another challenge? <laughs> so, you know, this is like about, we're talking about the first couple of years, the first two to three years when you're looking uh, in the startup world, it's called product market fit. What is like the right product for the market, for the users, for the customers? Then there are the challenges of growing the company. Now, again, we were very naive to think that because we found the right product market fit based on, you know, users' engagement and willingness to pay for the service, we were naive that now we will go to the VC's world, right, investors, and raise money without any problem, right? And a, a huge disappointment, it was very, very, very hard and challenging for a couple of reasons. Number one, mental health stigma. When we started meeting investors, most of them are, you know, the VC's world is, you know, men, what we call rich white men. They really suffer from stigma. So they are not excited to talk about depression, anxiety, or relationship issues um, they don't find it a very sexy topic. Let's put it this way. They're looking into the next Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. And I don't think that mental health company was on their list. So they looked at us <laughs> like kind of shocked when we met them and pitched the company. Like, who are those people? What do they want from us? I remember, like, I'll just give you like a few examples. Like one of the VCs said, so do, do you really believe that therapy is helpful? Like, like literally never heard about psychotherapy, psychiatry. A another one said, you know, I don't know anyone who sees a therapist. The guy was literally shocked that some people need help. Like he never heard about mental health issues. Uh, another therapist, another investor said, this sounds to me like a very small market. You know, they're looking for this huge market with huge potential ROI, right? Return on, on investment. So they, they, they were so not interested in the mental health company at the time. Um, and I'm saying at the time because the world has changed dramatically and uh, I can talk about it later. But at the time, 2013, 2014, even 2015, that was um, a very stigmatized um, category that investors didn't know what, why they should invest and how they are they going to make money. And we didn't succeed to raise for a long time. Again, we were like on the verge of what are we going to do? We cannot raise money. And I will never forget the day that a VC 
called us and said, um, okay, we talked about it and we are considering investment in talk space very seriously. And Or and I kind of look at each other like shocked, like what's going on? And then he said, he's talking a little bit and at the end of the conversation he's saying, my son suffers from severe depression. I get, I get your mission. And that was like, another aha moment for us that we need to look for mission-driven VCs. We, we have to find those VCs that are looking to invest uh, in a company that they are passionate about the mission and not only about, you know, how much money they're going to make and they're passionate about and, and look to, for VCs that understand how, you know, the level of the crisis of mental health in the country why it's a huge problem, why there is a huge need, what, where, what's the gap, et cetera, et cetera. And we basically changed the pitch and changed the audience. And we started looking for different kinds of VCs that really and understand the mission and are more, and are more I call it purpose-driven. And then that was like um, very, very helpful in finding um, the right VCs that were excited to invest in Talkspace. And since 2015, we started to go to grow very, very quickly. That's great. It's really great that you found your niche when it came to uh, VC investment. You talked a little bit about how much the world has changed. Oh and obviously, God. we're not going to get through this conversation without talking about the pandemic. So how has the pandemic affected your business? You know, 2020 and unprecedented years on so many levels. In the beginning of, I would say, March 2020, we started seeing a lot of people um, reaching out because they were afraid of the virus. By the, by the way, a lot of medical workers on the front line reach, reach out to Talkspace. Yeah. Um, so a lot of older people, they were very, very anxious. And then, you know, it was interesting to see how the audience is changing all the time. So when the financial crisis hit and you know so many people started losing their jobs we started getting a lot of young people um or not necessarily young but just people who lost their job or really afraid of losing their job and just a lot of stress and anxiety about literally livelihood and, and their workplace and whether or not they're going to survive uh financially Nobody knew what's going to happen and how long it's going to take, right? Thanks God we have today vaccine, but nobody knew it's going to happen. So there was so much level of anxiety and depression. Talkspace therapists would tell you they have never seen such a dramatic level of anxiety and depression ever. And then we started seeing a lot of people dealt with um, relationship issues because they were stuck at home 24 seven with their partners and kids. So we started seeing a lot of people reaching out because of like family dynamics or, you know, I, it was very hard to be parents, like the, the school, homeschool, Zoom. I, a lot of people talked about how hard it's for them to just stay in relationship because they don't have privacy. So we started, so it, we started seeing all the time a different kind of audience and the business has grown dramatically. We literally doubled our business in 2020 um, because so many people reach out for help. And, you know, we were, we felt very privileged to be able to offer help and support during such a difficult time. 
and um, at least to be some, you know, part of the solution. That's right. So given that, that we were, you were operating a business in the pandemic, how did you manage to uh, meet the demand? You said you grew. How did you go about growing during a pandemic? Good question. So let's start with the fact that we didn't have an office the whole year and we still don't have offices. I'm okay. at home right now. Right. Um, so when the pandemic started pretty quickly, we stopped working from, home, uh, from the offices because it was not safe. And, you know, we were lucky enough to be able to work from home because it's a digital company, digital health company, mm -hmm. and it's a virtual service. And so we started, you know, the whole team, and we're talking about almost 200 people, um, started working from home. And of course, we started doing a lot of video sessions to stay connected and to communicate with each other, to kind of still feel like a sense of company and belonging. Um, but it, it took like a few good months for everyone to kind of get the hang of it and how you, are, how you can work from home effectively and how you can find boundaries, etc. For us personally, it was difficult as well, like I'm sure like any other family, uh, because Ori and I both work from home. We are also co-founders, so not only we are, you know, in the same business and like talking about work a lot, now we're both, you know, working together with the girls that are, so the, the four of us are at home, so the girls did school from home, we work from our, you know, house, so it was not easy to find a space and so we need to kind of, we needed to figure it out. And for me also as a mom, it was very difficult to see my girls dealing with this pandemic because, you know, as I said, they're 15 and 13, not easy ages for pandemic. My 13 year old Shelly, I was very worried about her. She started showing signs of, I don't know, depression. She was sad. She was like, she didn't want to leave her bed uh, because you know, this age, it's all about your friends. That's right. And That's right. There was like a couple of months that nobody was literally so anyone. It was like crazy. We didn't allow them to do anything, you know? not even going to the supermarket, you know. So it was, it was not easy to see her. And Mia, she's 15, and, you know, that's the age where you start dating, and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so that all was taken away, and they were like, they were like acting like, you know, they, they didn't have energy, they didn't have a mood for anything. So it was, I was worried about them. Obviously it was not easy for me, but you know, as a mom, you're more worried about your kids at times of crisis. And so I'm very happy that now they're back to school and back to normal kind of and back to routine. So that's um, great. So yeah, that was COVID. <laughs> Wow, wow. And now as we emerge um, from COVID, how are you thinking about the future of your business? You know, I think that we learned so much from this year and it's very important to kind of really at least implement all the things that we learned, like, you know, from being so resilient mm -hmm. um, through this year, through this pandemic. So I believe we should move to what we call a hybrid model because, you know, when I talk with the team, and I think it's very important to collect feedback from the team, from employees, and ask them, you know, how do they feel working from home? Like, are, do they prefer work from home or work from the office? When I talk with the team, what I hear a lot is, you know, it's very convenient for them to work from home, and there are a lot of benefits from working from home, mainly the commute, you know? Right. The offices in New York City, right. it's very hard to commute. 
Um, so many people are very see a lot of benefits. However, everybody is sharing that they miss like the social part and they miss their friends and colleagues and they miss hanging out and go to drinks, dinner sometimes. So, you know, I think like a hybrid model where you're doing half of work from home and half, so to kind of gain the benefits of not commuting, etc., and half work from the office where you can gain the benefits of social life and hanging out and like, just like, group dynamics you know right um i think that this combination would be ideal personally that's what i think that's great so we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk about some hacks and habits that you have as uh, an entrepreneur and a business owner um how do you prioritize what you're going to do every day usually i'm trying to think about the top three things that I need to do, like to kind of, it's all about focus. Right. And so you know how it is, you open your email and yep. Slack and there could be like 200 right. little things that you need to do. But I'm trying to kind of see the big picture and to kind of, what's the strategy, what's the most important thing? And I'm focused on the top three things. That's what I'm doing like as a general rule. Um, and other thing that I'm doing for to stay focused is, you know, self-care. I want to share a little bit about self-care that it's so important. You know, when we started the company in the first couple of years, I worked 24-7 and I was obsessed, obsessed. I think many entrepreneurs kind of going through this phase or just people who work in high demand industries, right, or uh, careers. So I worked 24-7 and at some, some point I experienced burnout, like complete burnout. And I started to feel very sick. And I, I just started to feel very bad. And I knew at some point, after a couple of months, I knew that I, I wouldn't be able to continue move forward like that. So I decided to prioritize self-care, meaning sleep well, eat well, take breaks and take time to be with my girls. Like, I just knew that I have to do that for my own health. And you know, my health is more important than the business, but also that I wouldn't be able to grow the business if I'm not productive and if I'm not healthy. So it's very important, you know, and it's about your preference. Some people prefer yoga, some people prefer fit, you know, exercise, some people prefer therapy, but do think that makes you feel empowered and makes you feel relaxed, meaning allow you to manage the stress because there is a lot of stress that you're dealing with and you need to find a way to manage it and deal with it better. And so for me, once I started prioritizing self-care, I just started feeling that I'm way more productive, mm. which is interesting. So at some point, I'm just going to sleep no matter what. Right. And, and we, right. you know, in the past, I could stay up until 3, 4 a.m. I didn't care. And even though if I need to wake up at 7 a.m. for the girls, I'm not doing those things anymore. I just, right. I, I just right. think it's unhealthy. And so, yeah, self-care and focus. That's what I'm doing. Looking for new ways to keep up with the latest business trends and insights? Business Class from American Express is an educational resource to help today's business leaders adapt to the current economic environment. To view compelling stories, timely tips, and inspiring insights from industry experts, leaders, and street-savvy entrepreneurs, visit mx.co forward slash business class.
I'm going to switch uh, gears again, and I'm going to talk a little bit about, you know, other organizations that you think about. Do you have any organizations or communities that you support? So we launched what we call Therapy for All program. Okay. Um, we launched it in 2016. As a mental health company, obviously, we want to walk the walk and to donate for um, populations in need people in need that don't have access to mental health care. So in 2016, and that was the first year that we, um, the year that we launched it, we donated 500 months of free therapy. Wow. People that have just, just don't have money uh, for our services. And that was uh, the first initiative. Later on, we um, donated for the LGBTQI community after the Orlando mass shooting in the LGBT club. Yes. So um, we donated, again, 500 months for this community. Um, we donated uh, in, in 2018, you know, following to the Me Too movement, we donated yes. to women who suffer from sexual abuse in the workplace or outside the workplace. And obviously in 2020, uh, we donated for medical workers on the front lines. We actually donated over 2,000 months of free therapy to medical workers on the front lines because we wanted to be part of the solution to the pandemic. As I said, we saw the increase of medical workers on the platform and we realized that they need help. And we donated for, uh, in a, it was um, May, June 2020. And we also, after the horrific murder of George Floyd, we donated to the black community. Wow. And then, yeah, with 2021, we're going to announce soon. What an amazing thing to donate. I mean, it's great. It's always great to donate resources, time, but to be able to give folks during very uh, crisis-driven times an outlet to talk, that's, that's truly extraordinary. So... Thank you. Uh, well I, I want to share another awesome. thing, by the way, that is about uh, donation. We are also providing um, free services on Facebook groups for all the people that don't have access to our service for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. uh, so, for example, um, after the George Floyd, the, the horrific murder of George Floyd, we started a Facebook group called um, Racial Injustice, uh, people who wanted to kind of share. So what we're doing, we have... 10 therapists who are moderating those groups and it's completely free and it allows you access to a therapist to get advice as you said to share to let it out to talk about to show vulnerability and talk about your pain and that's already therapeutic by itself even if it's not completely therapy and also there is a sense of community that is very very powerful where people you know hear from peers, from, from other people about their own experiences, and it makes them feel that they're not alone, which is very, very important. So, um, yeah, we're also doing, we're trying to find ways to provide free services for the community. Wow, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So, um, I would love to hear, if um, it sounds like you've learned a lot of lessons during, uh, the time of being an entrepreneur and growing Talkspace, but what's the one thing that you've learned that stuck with you throughout all of the cycles of this company? 
This is a good, really good question because there are so many kind of lessons learned. Right. I want to talk about leadership because you know today I, I'm in a leadership position, and what I've, I've learned from you know ten years journey that as a leader, trust is the most important thing. And when I say trust, I mean that your team, if your team, if don't trust you, doesn't trust you. You are not a leader, and the way to gain trust is by empowering your team, empowering employees, which means allowing them to make decisions without you. Trust them, right? If you if you trust them, they will trust you. Um, make them feel independent. Don't micromanage them. So that if you empower them and you make them feel. That you trust them and it's about them and you are trying to support them and grow them and it's not about you. Leadership, I always say, leadership is not about you. <laughs> it's about other people. That's right. And as a leader, you need to grow your team. You need to empower them, and you need you are there to help them to become successful in their roles. That's all. You are facilitating it. And once they trust you that that's what you are trying to do. Then they will follow your vision and your strategy, but you really have to gain that through trust. So, so this is one thing about leadership. Um, if you want, I can share more. <laughs> more while we're on the yeah, while we're on the topic of leadership, um, do you have any role models that you look up to? It's a good. You, this is a really good question. Nobody ever asked me that. I have to say that I don't have a role model, and I think it's a very personal thing. It took me a good few years to find my way and my voice. And also, I'm a female leader in a right. very male-dominated industry. Yes. Most of the leaders around me are men, and I think that as a, as a woman, I'm bringing something different to the table as a leader. So I didn't want the one thing that I didn't want to do it was to trying to lead as A man, right? And I wanted to really bring my female voice, and I'm my style is um, is more I think empathetic, and um, I'm very much you know tuned to the needs of the team, and I think uh, that's working for me. Doesn't mean that it's working for every person, but that's right. what that's what's working for me, and um, yeah, I don't have a role model. I think like through experiments. I just find out what's working for me and the team, and how we are working well together. I love it. I love it. So, um, we talked a little bit about what you think the future of uh, working looks like, and um, I'm curious about you know as we emerge from COVID, I'm curious about one thing that you're looking forward to this year. Okay, um, let's start with. Um, Travel. <laughs> I, I haven't I traveled wait. for like I don't know. I, I, I'm traveling to Israel. I haven't seen my family for two years. Oh wow! Um, because all my I'm Israeli, and you probably can hear that. All my family is in Israel. My parents. I have two sisters that I'm very close to, and you know all all the kids. Everyone is there. So I'm traveling and um, soon, like by the end of June, with the girls and everyone. Wonderful. Uh, but so it's the first time that we can travel after 
this pandemic. And so I haven't seen them since two years ago, the last, you know, the summer of 2019. And so I'm very, very, very excited about it. That's what I'm looking forward. And my girls are super excited. So that's the one thing I'm looking forward that's to. That's amazing. I too am looking forward to travel. <laughs> We've spent a lot of time as a family in our car, which is great, but I'm really looking forward to that first big trip. We don't have it planned yet, but I'm looking forward to it. So I hope you enjoy your time on your trip Thanks. and with your family. Um, you. We're going to turn it now. We've received I, some questions. Oh, oh, so I'm sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to really share another lesson that I think, I don't know if there are entrepreneurs or people who are trying to, to build businesses in the audience, but I think it's so valuable. And you know, I, I just want to, to share it with people because in case it would be helpful for them. You know, the one thing that I think is important for entrepreneur is maybe it's two things, resilience and yeah. perseverance. Literally, if you are resilient and what I mean by resilience, resilience, it means that when you are facing challenges and things are not working and nothing is working, you are learning from mistakes and adapt as soon as you can. That's resilience. So you are not stuck. And I, I'm sharing it because I wish someone told me that. Right. And I could, I could have said many, you know, mistakes because I've made a lot of mistakes during the last 10 years. Um, and at some point I started realizing, you know, that it's all about resilience. Like, you, you cannot fall in love with your idea or execution. If it's not working, just change it. Also, don't be so afraid of, you know, failures. Failures is part of the journey. Failures are part of success. Like, you cannot succeed without fail because, you know, you have to kind of try a few things and you're experimenting, mainly with innovation. And you, with, with innovation, you're always doing a lot of experiments and you just like, okay, that's not working, that's working. But the problem that many entrepreneurs see it as a failure, if something is not working, the first product is not working, they see it as a failure. And what I'm suggesting is embrace the failure and ask yourself, what did, what did I learn from it and how I can get better? And this is how you can be successful and you can grow the business. And perseverance is about not losing your passion because you're struggling. So believe in the, if you are, if you can still believe in the mission, no matter how hard it is, that's also very, very important for uh, your ability to grow and, and become successful. And because it's so important to stay passionate, I'm always advising to founders and entrepreneurs, do something that you're passionate about. Do something that you care about, that you care about the mission, that is aligned with your values, because that would, if you are not passionate about it, it will be very hard for you to keep up and stay motivated. But if you are passionate about it, and if you are like, I want to solve this problem because I care about it, because deep inside I care about it, you will be able to um, um, overcome the challenges and stay, you know, a believer and passionate and that's what that's for me like the most important lesson for entrepreneurs. That is great advice and I can tell you somebody who is not an entrepreneur and works at a major corporation 
that perseverance and resilience are critical. And thank you for sharing that advice. Really appreciate it. Um, we're at the point where we have a couple of questions from the audience uh, that have come in. And so I'm going to share the first one. And the first one is, what's been, ooh, my uh, light just went out. We'll just keep <laughs> going. What's been the most effective form of marketing for you? Marketing. Um, I can share with you our partnership with Michael Phelps, which was very, very effective. You know, Michael Phelps suffered from depression and anxiety, and he wanted to open up and share about it because he understood that that would be very helpful in removing the stigma. That, you know, if the biggest athletes of all time say, it's okay not to be okay, and I'm willing to talk about my own depression and anxiety, that would allow people to feel more comfortable talking about their own problems and challenges and maybe reach out for help. And he is an amazing advocate and really passionate. And we have partnered with him. And that was very successful. And the reason why, because people know it's authentic. People right. know it's real. Right. When people know that what you are doing is authentic and that tr they trust your intention and what you're doing, that's, I think, the most effective marketing tool. I love it. And I remember those campaigns. I remember them very, very well. And it, it amazed me, to be completely honest, to see such a successful Olympic athlete and, you know, the best of his kind, um, so open about the fact uh, that he struggled with uh, mental health issues. And, and I think that it was a great partnership. And and what I remember very much, thank so you. very and interesting. Thank you so much. And you know, after he opened up, you know, all of a sudden other celebs uh, started That's to right. open up and share. And you have Lady Gaga, you have so many people today. And I think today it's a sign of strength rather than a sign of weakness that we had like, you know, X years ago. Right. It's like, I do, I have to say that I start seeing like a shift in stigma. And I think millennials, are way more open about the struggles, and there is a cultural shift in our society today around mental health stigma, which makes me very happy. Yeah, that's wonderful, and it's very true. I, I'm definitely witnessing it myself. Um, switching gears to the topic of self-care, and you know, you mentioned how important self-care has been to you along your journey, especially when you got to that point where you were working all the time and you were burnt out, and. Um, what tips do you have for business owners who are getting started or are well along the way in uh, their journey on practicing self-care? So my recommendation is either work with a therapist or with a mentor. It doesn't have to be a therapist, but it has to be someone that you trust that is non-judgmental and that you can really open up and share what you are going through. So the support, uh, the support, the sense of support, the, the sense of having someone that you can really open up, that's critical, I think, for self-care. Now, another thing that I'm doing just to share, um, I'm practicing um, gratitude it's a very easy and effective tool, and I recommend to everyone, I'm doing it with my girls, I'm doing it with myself, I'm recommending it to my family and friends all the time. Every night before you go to sleep, 
write the three things that you are grateful yes. for. And what it's doing, it shifts the focus. Instead of thinking about all the kind of naturally, and we're not getting into now why, but naturally our brain is wired in a way that we are focused on the things that are not working in our life. That's right. And when you're doing this exercise, it immediately shifts the focus and it allows you to think about all the things that are working, that you are really grateful for, that, and you're expressing gratitude. And when you go to sleep this way, You know, you wake up differently and it's changing like the night for me, I have to say. And so I really, and I did it a lot during the pandemic with the girls. So at dinner time, you know, when they were kind of depressed and then <laughs> I was like, guys, what are you grateful for? And of course they didn't want to collaborate because they're teenagers, right? But I forced them, just tell me one thing. And they're, okay, dinner, you know, <laughs> you know, but even like talk about it like five minutes, it kind of shifts the focus. So I really... I think it's a very effective, easy exercise that everyone can do. You don't need a therapist. You don't need to pay for it. So that's my recommendation for self-care. That's amazing. And I think on that note, we are at a perfect place to stop. Uh, I want to say thank you so much for sharing your time, Ronnie. I learned a ton. I know that all of our audience learned quite a bit, and we really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story in American Express Office Hours. Thank, um, you. And thank you so much for inviting me, and oh, thank you for having me. We're, we're so grateful to have you, um, and especially as we close uh, May, and that is May being uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. And to everybody who's here, be sure to join us again next Wednesday. For another uh, another episode of office hours and in the meantime check out americanexpress.com forward slash business class where you will find other great interviews like this and useful resources for business owners at every stage thank you again Ronnie and thank you everyone thank bye you bye bye thanks for listening to office hours and You can find other can't-miss conversations and a ton of useful resources for business owners at every stage at AmericanExpress.com forward slash business class. Wondering how other business leaders are navigating through the current environment? Get your questions answered by joining Office Hours, our live Q&A program where we talk with influential entrepreneurs and business experts about their experiences. Visit amex.co forward slash office hours for more information, including the upcoming schedule.